Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. I want to welcome you to the D Hour Network. I'm your host, Marcia Thaddison, and we are in the month of April. This today is April the seventh, and I just want to wish everybody a happy Sunday and I hope we have a blessed week coming up. I'm excited about my guests tonight because they have been on before. And I truly believe, you know, the scripture tells us to constantly teach each other when we walk alongside the roads, when we get up. We constantly have to remind ourselves some of the teaching and the wisdom of our grandparents and our great-grandparents. But tonight we're going to talk about some issues that are very dear to my heart, and that is moms having babies, you know, giving birth. And so we're going to have Nana Seta on and Linda Hall Walton on. I want to welcome these two ladies because, like I said before, they have been on this show before, and I'm just so happy to have them on. Okay, let me see if I can get the speaker working right here. Hold on, ladies. I'm trying to bring you on, but the thing is just suspending here. Just bear with me here for a minute. But um, one thing is important to me um, with my business, Yesterday's Kitchen for Today, is to be the grandma of yesterday to teach the next generation what our grandparents used to teach us. And that was the healthy eating, the healthy food, and what that food looks like and how to prepare those healthy foods. But not only that, way before the babies are born is how to prepare our bodies, our mind, and souls to have healthy babies. And um, we really want that to happen for all babies, all babies to be healthy. So uh, can you hear me, Linda and uh, Nana? Are you on? Do I have you on? Yes. yes. Can you hear me? Great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm here. So thank you to have you ladies back on the show because your information and what you do is so important, not just for the women who are having babies, but for the next generation of babies. Uh, Because, you know, it's so much going on out here. We're we're in a fast-paced society. We're eating anything and everything. And we just want to make sure we're bringing in a healthy, smart generation of new babies. And Nana, you're a midwife. Give our listening audience a profile of what puts you in that seat or that passion to be this midwife, and how long have you been doing this? Um, Well, the passion has been going on since over 40 years, and it kind of stems from my grandmother's, uh, an herbalist and a midwife. So, it's kind of part of the tradition to um, make sure that the next one who is in line or the next one who has the calling to assist them in their um, journey. And that's what my grandmother did unbeknownst to me. I thought it was just hanging with my grandmother, you know. So, um, yes. yes, I've been doing it over 40 years, maybe probably about 43, 44 years now. Wow. And you know, and then how many babies, do you know how many babies you help bring into the world? I have stopped counting many, many moons ago. So <laughs> I, I think counting was good when I started out, but it, the numbers right. were not, I didn't stick with counting. I just kept doing the work. Okay. Right, right, right. And I understand that. So tell us, a young lady is thinking about having a baby or uh, is pregnant at this time, 
Why would they want to consider a midwife? What is the benefit of having a midwife? Oh, the benefits are the person you work with is the person who delivers the baby. Um, You have one-on-one at any given time, not just for the visit, but calls that can be made. This is what I do. Um, We have a rapport going on. We have a relationship of trust and a relationship of um, communication. We are about, I am about guiding um, the family. It's not just the mommy. It's the the, the young man who's the father, the husband. Um, It is to give them a, a voice and to recognize their own empowerment and Midwifery is about empowering the families to understand their position in all of this. So usually women who ask for a midwife have already recognized, I don't have to sell myself or midwives shouldn't have to look for people. Um, People get reference. It's like a calling card. And they right, see who right. fits their needs. So it is something that women or men, I've had fathers look for midwives. So it is something that they have said they want to uh, raise their family a certain way. They want to make sure their children are eating better, they're eating better. They want to make sure they're conscious in their decision of how to raise the child, the schooling, the lack of not getting vaccinations, understanding why. You don't need to um, take your body and do things to it. That's unnatural. So a lot of times the families are the ones that have kind of made a semi-decision that this is the person um, or these these individuals that are practicing midwifery can give them because they've already recognized that they need more guidance. So it's more of the women or the men saying, this is what we want in our family, and now we search for the person that connects with us. That is great because, you know, with so much genetic, genetic modified food out of here and so many doctors are pushing um, more of the pharmaceutical, and you got women taking shots at early age to keep their uterus um, from uh, dilating or um, all these different things. So do you have these kind of problems with these mid When young ladies come to you or moms come to you and say, okay, I want to, um, to do a midwife, do you find yourself having to send them back to a doctor where they have to get injections so that no. their cervix don't open up? No. that's it's Like I said, it's empowerment. So I don't – I'm a naturopathic physician also, so I kind of wear a couple of hats. So – I don't, not to get injections, I'm kind of truly against medical intervention when they're putting, injecting things that are not healthy for women. So, no, I don't, I don't ever push women to get injections. Wow. Now, what stage, at the beginning of pregnancy, these women find you? If I'm, I'm new, I want a midwife, what, do I have to fill out an application what is the prototype? What do I need to do? Patient with me, my husband, my family. What is the prototype of how we get started in having a midwife seeing me through my nine months of pregnancy? Uh, the protocol starts with us sitting down, and then uh, the individuals we talk. 
we first communicate through our voice by sharing um, what their views are, what are they looking for. Um, this is what I do. I kind of give them a little history of what I do. Usually they've been referred through somebody else who has used my services. And when we've made a decision to work together, then I give them some paperwork that asks some basic questions about prior health, family health, what are the challenges you've had, what medications you're taking, what holistic um, herbs are you taking, are you taking vitamins, what kind of diet do you have. There are different foods on the list, so I can see where they're at. Why do you want a home birth? What do you feel my responsibility is? What is your responsibility? And that's for both of them to answer those three questions. Um, And then it's sitting down and starting our regiment, what that looks like, what our visits are going to be like. Um, And it's really nice when I get the women as early as possible. I have had women really in the last month that are in their last month, last weeks. I've even had a woman in labor come to me. So it it's more wow. to work yeah, to work with women as early as possible. Because we have work to do. We do uh comedic yoga, prenatal yoga as part of our exercise program. Um, besides the walking, I want the body to be massaged internally. Um, it depends on what their health challenges are. So it's more of setting up to see what is needed. So it isn't a cut and dry, it's assessing each client that comes through individually to see what is needed besides the process of the birthing. It's more than just the birthing. It's making sure the health and mental and spiritual um, uh, concepts are, are like working together. And if not, then that lets me know areas that I need to address during the pregnancy. Wow, that is wonderful. Now, with more, a lot of these young mothers, um, you said they can come in at different stages of the pregnancy. So you start when, whenever they come to you, you start, and that's when you start the regimen on the diet and the exercise and, and the massaging and that kind of thing. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So if now, they come to this, me in the beginning stages, then I, I really, we get a lot more done. If they come in later, then we have a lot of catch-up to do over the period of over the period of whatever time we have left. Now, one thing I know that's really popular now is these earbuds for the belly because the baby can't hear in the womb. So when you're having someone massage that baby, people got to be aware that that child is being able to hear the environment and everything else that's going on outside of mother's womb. Isn't that correct? Yes. Uh, we talk about that. The children, anything that the mother has experienced, the child will experience and feel the emotion as well as the physical touch. But definitely the motion wow. of what, emotion of what's going on within the family. It's not just the mother, the father, what challenges are going on. And we have challenges in our families. So it's to minimize some of the trauma and challenges that come forth. Yeah, because, well, I know a big part of a population of African-American women are giving birth by themselves. The men aren't there. 
Uh, I know you probably deal with more families, but do you have women understanding even yes. if you're single yes. and you're having these babies by yourself is to have that support and being able to have your mind and body in that spirit of having that baby come here calm and relaxed because what you say on the outside and feeling that baby is also taking in those emotions. Correct. Correct. Everything. And a single mother um, still has her mother or an aunt, so the, the father might not be in the picture. But And I always um, make sure we're including other family members, um, not like cousins, but more of the mother generation, the grandmother, any aunts, um, to help support that mother in any way possible, especially for the home birth. Wow, and it's important to have that unity. But you got a lot of young people now; um, they don't have that, or they're not willing to. Uh, they don't have that strong bond. So, moms and grandmas is so important to help in raising and bringing in that I call it, sense of wisdom to the next generation. We need more and more and more like that. I think yes. than ever before. Correct that um, we are losing our families. We are losing our mothers, the new babies, um, the mothers. You don't have that connection to your immediate family. Then the child misses out. Not only you miss it out in the healing and and the whole concept during pregnancy, uh, afterwards, see, it goes further than just the birthing process. There's no connection. The child feels like they're on their own with just the mother. And uh, we, we have to have that connection. The child has to know that they are surrounded by love through other family members. I agree. I agree 100%. Now, um, I sent you guys, I sent you and Linda uh, some videos. Uh, one was done by PBS, uh, Atlanta Public Station, and that was on the uh, the death rate of so many African-American women. And they were saying that we have the highest in uh, 13 countries out here. We're one of the 13 countries with African-American women dying. And they said they hadn't died like this since like the 1857s or something like that during slavery. Correct. Um, Yes. And what is the – and this this is why I think it's so important for people to think about midwife or having doulas there because someone's there to look at – wait a minute, something ain't right here. She's not right. She's not feeling right or something's going on to be that. Because we as moms and everyday moms and grandma, not used to seeing um, someone giving birth all the time because we barely watch our own birth because the way they had us in stirrups and you were covered up. Yes. We didn't see the yes. process. We didn't see the process. We didn't embrace the natural way of doing it. Um, so we're missing out on some of the signs that tells us, ah, we need, we need to check her. We need to check this mm-hmm. out. So touch a little bit about that, talking about the mid, uh, black women dying in childbirth. Okay, so I know of the situation. I just was not able to pull it up. But this is what's going on. When you go to the hospital and you've been going, you get injected with different um, drugs, for different reasons. They're testing mommies and babies. And when they do that, they usually inject 
things inside the bodies. The body doesn't tolerate things that are not of an origin that's more absorbable for the body. So what happens over a period of time where you recommend or prescribe something, over a period of time, those women taking those prescriptions or not having a support system or being asked to come back and forth, or there's a a whole slew of things that the medical westernized medicine puts in front of you. And when they put that, they don't know your dynamics. Everybody's stereotyped. So, and then they don't think much of our women. So if they're not thinking much of our women, then they're not going to give them the help that's needed. Or if a woman says, you know, I was feeling something, and somebody just passes it off and ignores or prescribes something that really doesn't address the situation for what that woman is going through, it, it shuts down the body. That's a very birthing is in the same space, it's a sacred space, and when things are not aligned and things are not done correctly in the beginning or doing maybe that mommy a long time ago had some kind of fever or childhood uh, episode that was not addressed and now she's pregnant and things start from her immune system start to surface and doctors don't pay attention to that. And when they don't pay attention to things that are going on, that leads for the scenario to go to another level. And what starts out as just something acute is now chronic. And there's not concern. Honestly, there is not concern for women of color. There has never really been concern. But now we think that because the doctor says something, even whether it's in our best interest or not, we accept it and move with it. And it's, we still have racism. Racism is alive and well, and we're not on the top of the list as long as our bodies can be used as a scapegoat and things given to us or done to us or things not told to us so we can prevent some things, then we are going to have these high statistics. It's unbelievable. They're not talking about midwives losing babies. They're talking about mm-hmm. in the medical profession, which yes. is a sign, there is a sign that they're not even concerned about us. So if they're not concerned about us, they're not going to take care of us. And if they're not going to take care of us and we're allowing it, we're going to die. And, and there, there, there's no way to sugarcoat that. So we have to recognize that we have to trust our ability to intuit and know when something is wrong, and if it's wrong and we're not getting help, leave that place, find someone else, someplace else that you can go for some help. Don't sit there and allow yourself to be utilized in a way that's unhealthy. If you're feeling something is wrong and somebody um, disavows that, those thoughts and says, well, it'll go away, and you're not feeling like it goes away, you have the right to go somewhere else. But we're not doing that, so we're kind of being led into something that's not in our best interest at all. So whether I see this documentary or see others, it is solely about African-American women being um, – it goes even deeper than us because 
the Europeans are not able to hold on to their children. They're not having as many children as we are having. And so to depopulate the race would mean to slowly move us out. And by any means necessary, doctors can prescribe all kinds of things that have side effects that do danger. A lot of them tell you they cause death, they cause depression. And and you get depressed, you Mm -hmm. do things that you normally would not do. So it is a systematic um, setup for us to lose our lives as women as well as the babies. It's not just the babies that are um, transitioning. It's the women, and sometimes it's two and three months down the road after they have the children that they um, that people try to understand what happened, you know, and nobody does anything because they think that's just a normal process, and it isn't. It really isn't. So we wow. have to wow. be we have to be educated and ask questions. Do not feel any way about asking questions about your health and your child's health. Um, have someone be your advocate and ask the questions with you. They're not going to answer the outside person's questions as it was yours, but you need an advocate to, um, you know, make sure that they're not trying to do something unhealthy to you and your child. Right, right, right. Now, uh, you said the Caucasian women aren't having as many babies. What is their problem for why they're not not is fertility, and I know you also said, and I thought about it, is that medication that I may have taken prior to me having children is going to have effect on my baby that's not even yet in my womb. Is that correct? That's correct. That is correct. And what I mean by the Caucasians are not, we are, as a people, we propagate. We definitely are very fertile. Our women are very fertile. And so we tend to have more children. A lot of us have it um, because we've been raised in a large family. Or a lot of us have it sometimes we don't think about this is what we have asked for when we were children. In, in, in the, well, the westernized thinking, you're only supposed to have two point and a half, two point five children. I don't get the half, but you're not supposed to have many. And we are having them. We're not. Uh, and then sometimes it's the abortions that we have done that kill us because they're not done with our best interests. It's kind of late in the game. Um, uh, there are a myriad of answers why these things happen. But one of the things are is that um, a lot of times the women who are of the Caucasian race, they don't propagate as much, and because of that, we tend to have more, and there's a fear that we will be more than them. We are already more than them. So imagine more children coming in. The, the concept is in the year 2050, the population throughout the world has the immediate high rate of being more brown and black than anything. We already are with the top now. 2050 it will definitely be that this country is definitely more brown and black. They have told us we are minorities. We've never been a minority, and we never will. But when you constantly tell people something to shift it and it doesn't get shifted, it makes us think that something is wrong with us. And the bottom line, yes, we do have challenges in our communities, um, but we also recognize that we are not 
our, the love for our people only comes from our people. It doesn't come from another race. On the whole, it doesn't. So the westernized concept is that women are not supposed to have more than so many children. And um, a lot of Caucasians physically, or if they, if they are physically well, then if they're not physically well, then that takes away. Their diet is just as bad as some of us eating. Um, but on the whole, we tend to bring in more children, and that's not the design what this country had in mind for us to be of the larger denomination of people that exist on the planet. Wow, wow. We're going to take a break, and I want to, what I want to address is now, if a baby is, when a woman goes in, she's now getting ready to give birth, they're injecting you with all this, medication and epidural and all this other kind of stuff. And this stuff has a profound effect on the baby. I want to address what we can do or how we can do to treat that for the baby once he's born or how can we clean that out of our system. I just want to remind the people that you are on the D-Hour Network. I am Marsha Thatterson. We have tonight Linda, who's a doula, and Miss Nana, who's a, a midwife giving us some education and some wisdom about our bodies and our health. All right, we'll be right back.
you back on the D. Howard Network. I'm your host, Marcia Thaddison, and we have our guests here, Miss Linda and Nana, who is a yes. doula. Linda is a doula, and uh, Nana is a midwife. Nana was explaining us the benefit of having a midwife. Now, before we take the break, you know, Nana, I was uh, went in when my daughter was having, my youngest one, my middle child was having her baby. And mm-hmm. when Zachariah was being born and he was in um she was in labor, every time she screamed the pain, Oh, do you wanna you want another shot? And I'm like, No and she go, Oh, yes I do I want another shot I was literally ready to jump in that bed and choke her. And every mm-hmm. time and I'm like, Okay, uh you know, I have not, you know, talked with her in extent. She listens a little bit about the uh midwives and the babies, but it was making me crazy. Every time she got in a pain, she wanted a shot. How do you deal with the moms with the pain? And once they get this medication in their system, it's going into the baby. What do we do for that? Or can we do anything for that? Oh, gosh. that That's a long process. Once it gets into the baby, it um, I it's going to take a while because it's come out on its own. It's more about, um, I don't know if mothers are willing to do the work to help move the process. That's my concern, that someone who goes into the hospital is not going to want to do anything outside of whatever the medical paradigm has been. So First, it would have to be the mother would want that done because nobody can take that out of the baby just like that. 
I think that's mm-hmm. just a process. I think that's a process that I would have to like sit down and talk with the mother. I've never ever in my forty something years had a mother who was interested in removing it. The women I get do not want medication, so they don't even go and get it. The women who make the decision right. to get it don't feel like it's going to be a problem. So they're not even interested in uh, removing something that was put in their body because they don't think it's going to harm. And and there are women wow. who know that down the road they are suffering, their back aches. So yeah. it's not as just going, yes, there's something to do. The mother first would have to not even want it in the baby's body, saying, oh, I made a big mistake. But the women who go in and want the drugs, they just want something quick. And they don't get it. It's a long-term a challenge that they're setting themselves up for and the baby. The baby's development sometimes gets a little slower. They don't, they're not as active with that epidural when they first come out. Um, they might have challenges in developmental stages. They might, there, there's so many different things. So it would depend on how much because some uh, anesthesiologists can give double doses, and then it depends on if they didn't do an epidural, what did they put in there? So that wow. that, would, that would have to take a little bit of sitting down and talking with that parent. But on the whole, and that parent would not even come to ask to have it removed because they don't think it's going to be a problem. Wow. They don't understand wow. that that's the term, I need relief, has long-term pain effects, whereas when you're birthing and you're using a midwife, not in a hospital, but in a home scenario, you do feel the birthing process, but then it heals. It's not a long-term effect. You feel something, yes, because it's part of the body doing the opening up of the ligaments, the pelvic shifting, the baby making the descent and turning. Yes, you're going to feel that, but that doesn't last forever. So we're in this quick fix kind of scenario. And I would really have to sit down and really think about if somebody really wanted that, what that would look like. That's a lot of work. And I don't, I really honestly don't believe the women who go in the hospital want to do all that work. Wow. Because they don't understand the how this affects their baby. Now, give us a scenario of what a healthy baby. Because you know, you see in a hospital when the babies are coming out, they're—I uh, don't even know if they slap them, but they're crying. I don't know what they do to initiate the cry for some of these babies. Yeah. They're crying, and then they immediately—and I think it's the shock of being taken out of something warm. Now you're in this room and it's lights and noise and everything. But what a scenario is it like for a home birth, the baby? Usually it's a little darker. It's not as bright. There is lighting, but it's not the bright lights. Um, If there's not music, um, because the mommy needs something to soothe, and usually it's very quiet, um, very much quiet because she's going inward and concentrating. So, there's minimal sounds, minimal activity. Basically, the midwife is focusing on the delivery, how the baby is doing, listening to the heartbeat, 
checking in on the mommy, giving her some extracts and putting some essential oils on her. So the atmosphere is less active. Um, It is her going deep inward to focus on the the stage that is happening at this time. It's a lot of focusing on your breathing and making sounds. Mommy makes sounds, but sounds aren't unfearful. The sounds are. This is a part of the process. They're like primal sounds that the women make as they're dilating and opening up. And those sounds help soothe her and the baby. So it is a, a complete different uh, picture altogether. Much more mellower and cons. There are family members waiting. There are things being done in the process to keep the mommy in a state of relaxation as much as she can relax and to keep her mind focused and active. So when the baby does appear, it is very, very subtle. Some babies don't cry right away. Some are just, you know, they start to get their coloring after being out. It's a much more calmer. If the women are in the water, in the birthing tub, then the baby has adjusted from the warm cocoon to another warm cocoon. Um, there's movement. The baby's eyes tend to open. Um, they're looking for their milk supply. Um, it yeah. is much more tranquil than a hospital birth. It's so much intervention. And the intervention is about, in the hospital, the intervention is more for let's be ready for anything happen. In the home birth, it's about being proactive and taking care of things to prevent things from happening, which has a different look. So a lot of those whatever challenges have been on prior to pregnancy or during pregnancy, we have been addressing them all along so they do not become a challenge when the baby is coming forward. And it's really keeping the mom relaxed so she can breathe and focus on her breathing. Um, Sometimes they get in yoga positions. Sometimes they rotate their bellies like in belly dance. Um, So it just has a different look. All women, some are squatting. Some are, like I said, in the tub. So it has just a more relaxed setting, and it's very quiet, very quiet and subdued. Um, And it's really the focus of the mommy. Um, The air is to be comfortable where she can focus. There could be compresses on her forehead or on her neck to cool her down because she is literally working. Um, There's support. There's encouragement. There's comfort. Um, It's just in a different place. It has, this is the way it was done uh, eons ago. So it's keeping the tradition of healing and empowerment in place all in one setting. Now, the baby, when the baby comes out, it immediately goes to the mom or do other families like the dad can hold it or touch the child along with the mother? Okay. It depends on where the mother is birthing. Basically, it's the mom because there's excitement. The mom gets the baby. If the placenta hasn't come out, we're not going to hand the baby around. The baby stays on the mom's chest until we get the placenta out. And then it's the where she's at emotionally. Everybody's in a, such a happy state 
and thankful and grateful that this child has made the entrance that we're all kind of in that moment. And after the placenta has uh, been retrieved out, comes out, then it's more of an assessment. It isn't that everybody picks up the baby. Um, It's more of like now the family kind of looks at and checks on the baby. We're doing assessment to see (laughs) what's going on with the child. Everybody's like in awe for that first period of time. So I like, I, I love it. The family is kind of, if there are other siblings who didn't actually see the birth, now they come get introduced to the youngest new member. There's so much going on. I'm Aww. assessing the, that the baby is breathing adequately. I, I look for suction out the nose, out the mouth with a sterile bulb syringe. So there's quite a few different things. The handing of the baby, the father is kind of like, he's definitely there. He's in a deep place right then. So it's excitement and happiness and crying because we're, we've completed this and just kind of everybody's in a place of just enjoying the moment. And then we get to doing the other thing, holding the baby I examine. So um, that could last for a little bit of time. It's really everybody just coming to understand. It isn't we take the baby away. This is very deep right. and important. The, and the you child know, is a... Go ahead. I don't know what it is, but when a child is, when I see a child being born, I cannot stop the tears from flowing. It's something about me. I don't know if it's just me or if it's just something you see all the time giving birth to people who standing around watching that baby coming through. It's, I guess it's just the miracle of this yes. starting off with a little sperm or seed or egg I mean, I cannot I can't even when I watch it on television I said oh I don't what's with me I cannot stand it it just brings the tears start flowing mm-hmm. now with the placenta I know hospitals have been selling some of the placenta to getting some of the stem cells from the umbilical cord and they call it uh delay clamping or delay clamping um do you do delay clamping to the they said cuz the placenta is pulsating and you're trying to make sure all the um, stem cells or the uh, good bacteria, whatever that's in there, is going flowing to the baby. I've never called it delay clamping. I've always been taught to wait till the pulsation stops. The doctors find out things later on. So that has been all of my practice for all my years. I don't cut until the pulsation stops. Now, there are women who want to love this birth, and that has a different look. There's no cutting or clamping. Right. So that's another right. set. I've never used the term delay. This is what I've been taught, not to cut until mm-hmm. the pulsation stops. It's not a delayed. It's just part of the process to not cut until right. all the blood is through. And that could be 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It could be 15. It could be 10. It just depends. So, yes. I do do, but I don't consider it delayed. I consider it part of the process. Okay. And then for those who let it, what about have people let the the, um, the umbilical cord stay? I know Dr. Savi has suggested that let it stay until it drops off because it will drop off, he said, within three days, three to four days. It would just dry up and yes. come apart on its own. Yes. 
the cord will drop off. The uh, placenta goes into a bowl with herbs that just helps. Um, and it will somewhere between three to five, depending on your home. If you're in a hot tropical place, three good days. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a where you've got the air conditioning on or you've got uh, not good um, uh, circulation, it could take five days if the house is not circulating air properly. So no more than that, no more. I've never seen it go past the 24 hour of the fifth day. That's about as long as it usually takes. Now, back during the biblical time or back during the old days, did they wait it, like kind of wait to the pulsation, or they just left it sitting on there and let it drop off on its own? What was the normal protocol for um, people? Okay, so you're saying two different things. Pulsation is if you, when you're going to cut it. When you do a okay. lotus birth, then that's not cutting. So both of them were used. Um, it just depends on the practitioner. Uh, women who were really okay. healthy, you could definitely let it happen. The women who weren't as healthy, you would want to clamp after it, it uh, finished pulsating. So it just depends. It was really based on the midwife making the decision on how she saw um, the women, what was going on with their bodies. Now, people are banking their uh, placenta or their stem cord, their baby's umbilical cord and stuff like that. Uh, do mid, uh, women who are having their babies at home have that option to uh, to bank their uh, cords, or is it just only in the hospital? Well, I, women have options regardless. It depends on what you where you want to what you want to do. Uh, bank it. I'm not sure when you say bank it, you're talking about taking it somewhere so it can be stored. Yes, ma'am. Or, uh, yes, ma'am. Yes. I've never had women who had a home birth want to send it somewhere. That's not a guarantee okay. that that's going to be there for a center. So right. um, there are talk of women doing things. I have not talked to any women who have taken their placenta somewhere else to put it away. Either they hold on to it or they bury it. I don't know what the women who, I've never heard home birth women take it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So they I don't think they trust putting it somewhere else. That's not going to be a guarantee that you're going to get your placenta or your core or your stem birth. I don't, I don't feel like the women who have the home birth are ready to release their placenta to some organization or some center or some institute or some business that does this. Right. I understand. All right. We're going to take a break, and I want you to come back. You train other women. Doula. I know Linda is training under you. We're going to talk about the purpose of a doula and why um, doulas are very, very popular right now. People, midwives are being popular and we want to educate people on the benefit of the midwife as well as the doula and how that serves in helping young mothers do their pregnancy and the families themselves. So you're on the D-Hour Network. I am your host, Marcia Thaddison, and we'll be right back.
All right, you're back on the Dion Network. I'm your host, Marcia Thaddison. I just want to remind our listening audience, all our listening audience, for for your help. This program is for uh, information is for information only. Please consult with your licensed practitioner or your doctor for any medical diagnosis or treatment. We're sharing with you uh, information that's valuable. And please consult your doctor if it has any conflict of your health. Uh, before we take a break, we're going to talk about you training other ladies as doula. And what is a doula and what that purpose for having a doula in the delivery room? Hey, Linda, are you there? Hi. Yes, I am. Hi. Hi. Okay. Good. Now, you and, you and Nana work together. Tell us how this started and what was your passion for being a doula? Well, my passion for being a doula started from um, actually after having my daughter over 20 years ago. Um, I went into the hospital, you know, pretty young, uh, first-time mom, uh, really wanting someone there for support. And when I got there, I had my mom. However, my mom, you know, she's a mom, so she was a supportive mom, don't get me wrong. However, she was coming from a different perspective because she was my mother. So she was, you know, I guess feeling my pain and, you know, having her own emotions about everything. And for me, I felt like I really would have, um, you know, really would have felt a lot better had there been um, a doula there or someone there in the role of a doula, so to speak, to, um, you know, speak up for me a little bit more, to advocate for me, and to provide a different um, kind of support than um, the support I received from my mom being there. So, and had you heard about a doula? Because, you know, I'm a baby boomer, and... I wish, I tell this to my daughter, I wish I had known about people like you guys when I was young. I I think I would have been into the hippie thing because, you know, back in the days when you'd be in a hippie with the marijuana, you thought it was right. just the marijuana. But it was, I think, right. just living outside that box of the structure of um, medical kind, I really wish right. I had been there, but I'm not. And that's why I have this show because I want, the next generation to know what you guys do, the beauty of what wow. you're doing, and the mm-hmm. the health benefit that it holds for all of us, as well as the baby, as well as the family. So wow. at that point, did you have a doula with you, with your baby, or you thought about it afterwards? Um, I actually thought about it before, um, but I did not research and really reach out, you know, um, I just was kind of, you know, raised in that medical model, you know, world where you do what the doctor, you do what your doctor tells you to do, and, you know, you take the medications, you get the epidural, and, you know, everything will be okay. So, um, you know, and with me not having, um, you know, my mom, she, she loves me the most, I don't doubt that, but... You know, she's telling me, you know, you do what the doctor says. You know, I'll just sit here and I'll be here for you, but, you know, you do what the doctor tells you to do. And, you know, when you have, um, 
like uh, Nana Fifi was saying, she's a midwife and she does the home birth. It's totally different, you know, with me being a doula. Um, we're there for the mom, emotional, physical, um, you know, just every realm of support. However, we're there in the in, as a person, you know, in terms of what the mom wants. However, the mom has to be educated on what her choices are. And a lot of times, you know, when you're in the medical model, you know, you're not really, you know, you're told, hey, this is how it's going to go. And, you know, you, you either go, a lot of moms don't even know that they even have a, vo- a voice, so to speak, or, you know, they just want to get this baby out, you know. So, you know, being a doula has really, really taught me that, you know, as moms, we have so much power. You know, women have so much power and so, so much uh, uh, strength, but they just they just need an advocate. They just need a person in their corner or a person to, you know, just let them know, just give them the information, and you'd be surprised how much um, moms will really, really rise up to the occasion and speak, you know, what they want for their, you know, for their birth. And and we and a lot of times we don't know, what, you know, what our bodies are doing, so we don't recognize what? some of the symptoms or the, what's happening to our body because a lot mm-hmm. of times it's all new. And each pregnancy is different. Every pregnancy is not Correct. the same. Correct. So, mm-hmm. and That's then to true. have that. Now, do you, the doula works alongside the midwife? Um, yes, well, it, it it goes either way. I mean, as a doula, um, it's what the mom wants. If the mom wants to have her baby um, in the hospital, we're there. If the mom wants to do a home birth, we're there. Um, doulas and midwives do work hand in hand. Um, there's, you know, a lot of collaborations. A lot of um, midwives do. Uh, some have doulas you know, uh, collectives uh, connected to their practice. You know, um, really the concept of a doula is kind of like, you know, back when our grandmothers and great-grandmothers had babies at home, there was all there were always other women there to support. You know, there were, whether it was the aunt or the grandmother or the, the neighbor or a woman in the community who, you know, she wasn't called a doula, you know, in a lot of our uh, black communities back then, but she was that woman that was there providing support alongside that midwife. So, um, you know, the concept of a doula has been around for a long time, but that word wasn't, you know, as connected in our community, you know, with the word doula you know, so to speak, as a, a, you know, a person that's there for women being there for other women, which is nothing new. You know, we've always been there for each other. Nana, uh, when did you start training doulas to work long, um, training women to be doulas? I'm not, okay, so let me clear this. I'm training women to be midwives because they have stopped the practice of midwifery, traditional midwives were taken out of the scene in the 50s. And so my objective is to get women who love this work to go it and take it to another level and to be, I I need 
I need other women to be midwives. There should be a midwife for every woman. That would be a great thing to have. Um, wow. So we don't we don't co- compete with each other, but women need. I possibly cannot take as many people as out here. But when there are other midwives, that means that the women who have been trained properly get the right, the right kind of care that their family needs, that this child needs, that they need. So my objective um, is to train women to be the next midwives. That is what I work on. Now, is hospitals recognizing midwives and allowing them in the hospitals, or you have to do that? Because I know some hospitals may have set up just for midwives hospitals, or, or do they do that now? Linda, could you address that about the hospitals? Um, well, in the hospital setting, the midwives that are there are certified nurse midwives. These are women okay. who are nurses that are trained to be uh, midwives. There are several um, different um, midwives. There are certified professional midwives who um, do not work in the hospital setting, um, but they're, you know, they've had that training. And then there are um, lay midwives, um, women who have had years of experience in midwifery who are um, professionals, who are valued to the community, they're midwives. So there are different um, avenues to being a midwife. However, in the hospital setting, the midwives are nurse midwives. Okay. And a doula Mm -hmm. is allowed to be along with those midwives that's certified in the hospital. Is that correct or no? Yes. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. Okay. Um, the doula, uh, like I said, the doula, is, we're whatever the mom wants. If she's having the baby in the hospital setting, if she's having her baby in the home setting or a birth center, we are, you know, we're allowed there. We don't do anything medical. Therefore, you know, we're allowed. We're we're support person. We're advocate. We're we're we have we come in with the birth plan. We've already discussed um, the birth plan with the mom beforehand. So we're there every step of the way. And whatever now, setting uh, the mom is having the baby. Is it growing population of young people? Um, which you, Miss uh, Nana and uh, Linda, seeing a, a increase of women wanting doulas and midwives. Do you guys see an increase in that? Uh, Nana, you first. Um, I I don't think. I'm sorry. I can hear you. Can you hear? I'm sorry. Hello. Can you hear me now. Are you there? Okay, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. I okay. can, yeah. So, okay, so I was saying that there's an education process going on. I don't know how well the terminology has hit our women. Some mm-hmm. women think, some women who are pregnant think a doula is, quote, unquote, a cheaper midwife, mm-hmm. that they can deliver the baby and not have to pay a price of a midwife. 
um, then there are women who make a choice, and it really depends on the midwife. Now, I'm not not referring to a nurse midwife. I'm talking about what is called a traditional midwife. Um, Because I've done my practice in a while, I am training women. So in the process of training them, I recognize that they're, they can use their skills, but it tends to be what is needed for the birthing process than for comfort because we're already working on the comfort. In the hospital, the drugs or the women speaking up for the women, the doulas, quote, unquote, speaking up for the women and uh, educating them is a little different scenario than a home birth. So I, I kind of look at it as more of what is the woman looking for. Is she looking for it to birth in the hospital? And if she's looking for it to birth at home, I share with her what I do, and then she makes the decision. I very rarely see in my practice, I don't know about the other traditional midwives, I don't really ever see the doula and the midwife working for the mid for the home birth. I see it more in the hospital. I see it more um, in mm-hmm. afterwards for the mommy. So there probably are cases that I get it. So the women are trying to make up their mind which one do they feel they need the most, and then they go from there. That um, I think there's a there's not a whole lot of education with a lot of the women who want doulas or midwives because I don't think they understand the differences. Um, And then that gets promoted by other, some other women who are doulas and they take advantage of, I'm going to offer that I can deliver the baby when that's not what their position is in their training. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's the education process so the women can make an informed decision on what they really feel they're looking for and what they need. I know with the breastfeeding classes that you that you be hosting, I know throughout Atlanta there's a, the, the county, I think many of the counties are really pushing breastfeeding for moms, teaching moms how to breastfeed. So doing these type of classes, are moms learning more about the doulas and the midwives, or is just more focused on making sure they're learning how to breastfeed properly? Um, are you re- you're speaking to me, uh, Mrs. Marsha? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Well, in my, well, in my breastfeeding classes, um, I do take um, the time to speak to mom about you know what I do as a doula. However, um, the classes are heavily focused on the on breastfeeding. Um, I'm okay. a talker, so I like to you know talk to people and you know, get the information out there. But a lot of the breastfeeding classes that I've gone to or that I know about primarily focus on the breastfeeding aspect. Okay, okay, good. Now, what can we do? And as me as a mom and a grandma, and I know with my business, I want to be on the rooftop shouting this out about what you guys do and how you do, especially you, Miss Nana, because I believe we need to bring babies here that are calm, 
healthy, mm-hmm. smart, and intelligent baby. And like you said, it starts before that baby's in that mother's womb. And, you know, I didn't realize, you know, the things that I've eaten and things I've taken the medication in the past had a profound effect on the next generation that I carried inside my womb. So what can we do to um, alert people and make them more educated? I've posted on Facebook, but I feel like we need to go to another level of getting this message out. Well, I would definitely say having speaking lectures, workshops, um, uh, churches, community centers, um, yoga mm-hmm. studios, having opportunity for information to be displayed wherever the people go, um, at events that happen in areas, sometimes people say, I'm going to get a booth and then, but what they do is they have literature at different events, different times of the year. Um, you could uh, booth, be able to be at a booth and just hand out literature, talk with individuals that stops, have um, have wording that draws the attention of families because it's not just the women. It might be the men who say, some of the men in the community say, you know, I've always seen, I've had a couple of males say they were home birthed. And they want wow. the woman, yes, I've delivered from them. They want the women that they are with to have a home birth. So oh, that their lives, yes, their lives were with parents who are in, quote, unquote, our age group. So their parents were the hippie slash um, conscious thinking individual. So but you don't get many of them that they'll promote it once they know. So it's it's really the opportunity to talk, lecture, workshop, um, just like you said, shout it at the rooftop by having opportunity yes. to expose it. It's really the exposure that's important. Um, I When I get the opportunity in the mass, I do events when people um, uh, say that they're having something, you know, so it's really just having the opportunity as kind of that advertisement, but for their well-being and health events, events that say they're addressing health. This is an opportunity to put in some words and pass out something already so that people can have an opportunity, families can have an opportunity to, um, you know, explore um, what is not an alternative um, back in the day. This was not an alternative. This was the way women birthed. This is what right, they did. Right. Families were involved. Now it looks like it's the alternative because the doctors have now made it look like we're kind of weird and they are what's important, and that's money. That's, that's about money. Um, medicine right, right, and drugs right. is about money. It's not about healing or curing or assisting. That's why the birth rate and the mortality rate is so high. It's really about money. So um, it's knowing where our priorities are and finding opportunities to put information out there. The television, besides the Facebook, there are other forms of uh, connections where we and Instagram that we can connect to each other. We always go to events. And so there's just 
in Georgia alone are many different things that go on. So I know in other states there are also um, places where people can pass out information and speak to those who want to share this information. So I would just say I will now finding a way. I would love to go into the high school and have them to see if they can make this part of a curriculum. You know, they talk about sex education. Mm-hmm. They want to talk about yes. all this other kind of stuff. And when giving birth to the child, uh, having talking about, you know, reproduction and all that kind of stuff. But let them say, guess what? You can have your child yes. at home, a childbirth and that kind of stuff. I mean, because they got, they got uh, books now in, in the sex education classes about um Daddy and Daddy, or you know, Mommy and Mommy. You know, hey, let's yes. have this, this yes. thing on giving birth to healthy babies and what it can be like, or have options that you do have options. So, getting these young girls before they're even thinking about having babies and thinking, oh, wait a minute, I took this class, I didn't even know that I can have a baby at home. I didn't even know there's mm-hmm. anything about a midwife. Because that may sound ancient to them. Now, do okay. you guys, do you videotape any of your um, childbirth? In, you have videotapes or using maybe for the family or have any of them wanted any of this to be done as educational stuff, showing us how a natural childbirth happens, Ms. Nana? Um, I do have families that video, but it's more personal. Personal um, They okay. video it. Yeah, it's more personal. Um, Not I keep asking. Well, it's it's because it's so sacred. They don't look at um, sharing that information outside of the immediate family or family members or them looking back on it. This is the birth I had. So um, educational. There was a woman who was doing. she never got to do the birth around me. She just was asking questions. She was doing a little documentation, and I never got to find out. She would talk to one of the mothers I was working with as well as other women, but she never did the actual birthing, filming of the birth. She just mm-hmm. did the um, conversation at like a prenatal visit that I was having, and I presume with other um types of scenarios that the women were into. So I haven't heard. I know there's probably out there. I just don't know yeah. a particular a name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of them out there, but I was wondering. Now, the babies, once the babies are born, they're now put into the hand of the pediatrician. They're not, the, the mom and the baby, once it's born, everything's okay. They now move on to their gynecologist and to their uh, regular pediatrician. Is that the prototype, or do you still have some connection with the parents and the baby after the birth for a few days? I do because I do well baby checkups. I some oh, parents okay. do not. Yes, some parents do not want to deal with medical doctors. Some parents do. I delivered uh, one of their children from a pediatrician, so. I can recommend her if they're interested. If they bring it up, part of the conversation is how do you see it afterwards? I could do it or you can, you know, find a practitioner. I can give a reference or some only want to go, like, uh, for well checkups 
um, they don't want to incorporate the medical paradigm in after they've done the birth. Now, so it varies. Some are open, and some prefer not to go to a medical pediatrician. Now, you know what? I can see the blessing of this. You know, and I guess me being on this journey with yesterday's kitchen for today and for your health for several years now, and now they would saying that some hospitals, you know, they, they may be want to be putting chips in your babies before you even leave the hospital, or you have to have a Social Security number before you have to leave the hospital, or all these papers and stuff you have to file. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, I don't want nobody sticking anything in my child, uh, a chip, or um, if I don't want circumcision done. Or when I want it done, it's up to me. It's not up to the hospital. But I think now you do have an option to circumcise or not circumcise, correct? With these boys yes. and okay, because I don't some... know what the hospital is doing, but definitely parents um, have a choice. You really have a choice in the hospital, and I don't know what that looks like. So maybe Linda might have it more of what. A lot of times they present it to the mommies and the fathers, um, you know, right off the bat uh, in the hospital. I ask what do they want to do to know what is next in the on the agenda. So maybe Linda can address um, in the hospitals what that can look like. Yes, in the hospital setting, um, parents do have the choice, the mom has a choice, on whether she would like to have the baby um, circumcised or not. And they do it right away. And, you know, in the Bible, I think in the Bible, um, they have to wait eight days. I think it's on the eighth day they circumcise the child. And what I found out is that vitamin K is in your body, uh, in the child's body around about the eighth day. So that helps with the clogging. So if they cut them, he wouldn't bleed to death, and they have to give the baby's vitamin K injections so it won't clog. Is that correct? Well, that's another thing. With the vitamin K um, injection, they also have the choice to um, reject. If they don't want their baby to have the vitamin K, they can also refuse mm-hmm. the vitamin K also. So. Oh, really? Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, they can. Yeah. So there. Yeah, parents have. Like I said, um, a lot of times parents don't know their options. But um, once you educate them and you let them know what their options are, then a lot of times they reject the um, those vitamin K shots. Or, you know, they they just they want to be aware. Um, and they want they sometimes they feel like well it's the law I have to do this or you know my doctor said I have to do this, um, so as a doula when I let them know you know if you don't you know what your choices are then they make the informed decision so they don't have to do a um, circumcision they don't have to have the vitamin K shot so you know or the Hep B or, you know, the shots that are offered if they don't want to. Yeah. Now, for where they can reach you, Miss Nana, if they're interested in a midwife, if their families are thinking about having babies or they know someone in their family having babies and they're thinking, you know what, let us have a conversation with this lady 
to see if this is best for us. Give people your information so they can reach you. All right. So my number that I can be reached on, and then I'll give my email address. My number is 404-557-2026. And my email address is O-P-I-O. S N D A E Y O at Gmail dot com. And uh those are I, I have I do have another number, but those are the two best ways to reach me. Okay. Now Linda, you want to give them your uh information please? Yes, yes. I can be reached at um, area code 470-387-0045. My website is www.theartoflabor.com. I also have an email address of Lynn Wall underscore doula at theartoflabor.com. Okay, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, I sent you guys another video. I don't know if you were able to see any of the videos I saw sent you. Talking about Penang, where they were selling babies, black babies, at the hospitals. And I've just blown away, and I actually, I sat through that video, 2020 did that story. I sat and I, you know I'm a crybaby. I just cried through the whole thing. I just cried through the whole thing Mm -hmm. because. Mm-hmm. It was really powerful. And so I did post that video on my Facebook page and the one on the that was done by PBS here in Atlanta, Georgia, talking about the high uh, death rate of African-American women dying having babies. And this is 2019. So we're going to come back and talk a little bit about that. And we'll mm-hmm. be right back. You're on the D-Hour Network. I am Marsha Thaddison. I'm your host. <laughs>
All right, you're back with the DLA Network. I'm Marcia Thaddison. I'm your host. Just want to remind our listening audience, to all our listening audience who are listening, this program, radio show advice, all the information presented here is for the purpose of information and education only. It should not be construed as uh, constructing medical advice or diagnosis for any treatment or illness, injuries or condition, or prevention of any health problem. The listening audience should consult with their licensed physician or health care practitioner for proper diagnosis and treatment. Um, I have one more question before we talk about the babies in St. Louis back in the 1969s. Miss Nana, how long was, you know, I, I remember when I had my baby, my mom said, you can't take that baby out for eight weeks or six weeks. I think it was six weeks. I couldn't take the baby out. The baby had to stay home for six weeks. And you see people taking their babies out a day after being born or something like that out in the general public. Do you have a time frame or a, a place that the moms just stay home with the child for several days or weeks until the baby's immune system or its system is built up? Um, what I do is I tell the moms three months. Now, a lot of times they can't do three months because they feel like they have to do more. That's what I do, and it's not just the baby. It's both of them not going out anywhere. Um, Kind of that's their bonding time. Women are going out too soon, and that's one of the reasons we're losing them. Their bodies, they've been injected with, with drugs, and it gives a false sense of, that everything is fine and it okay. isn't. And okay. yes, yeah, so definitely I'll tell women, you know, as long as possible, three months would be ideal. It takes the organs a while to get back. Um, it takes the baby some time and it's a good bonding time. So don't feel in a hurry to uh, get out too soon with the baby. Now, postpartum, when women have more natural birth, or both, it doesn't matter if they have natural birth or they have it with at hospital getting the epiderm, they have a postpartum where they have the depression. Do you do you do you see any of that with women that's doing more natural birth having, or it just can go across board? I get women without that. One of the things that we discuss is whatever challenges is going on whether it's uh, family dynamics, whether it's a move, making a decision to move soon or later, whether it's relationship uh, challenges. So the, it's, it's more of postpartum is part of the healing process. But the blues are ways in which we are not recognizing what challenges we had in pregnancy, what was already existing, and they hit us at the time after the baby comes. So my thing in the very early stages of finding out what are some of the challenges we're going to have to work with. I've had couples that she says, um, I, I get emotionally high strung. I, I don't know what's going on. So we address things so that doesn't become an issue. So I don't on the whole get women. Now, if they go to a doctor, then it has a different look. But I don't get women who have postpartum blues. That's not part of the okay. home birth, natural birth scenario. Now, what message, we talk a lot, a lot about the mom and the, and the baby. 
what message we have for the fathers. I mean, when you talk to the fathers, for those men who are listening, and you said some men come to you wanting natural birth for their wives or midwives. So what role does the father play in all this? Well, the father is a family member plus a support system for when, like I've shared with the men, I know you get tired. I know you want to have some time for you. But this is a time important, so you have to listen, maybe when you're a little more tired, or assist them in making sure um, they're doing their exercises, or let me know if there's something. They're there on the visits to inform me from their perspective what their complementarians are doing or not doing. So their support, they what do they call it, dry snitch, um, um, they do. They do what's important as a father because they're already a father. It doesn't happen after the baby comes. It is there now. So they're taking on wow. father position way before the baby is out because they're a father. And then we talk about what is it that you would like to know. Some are new at this. This is their first. So we address. Um, fatherhood classes in a sense of, you know, you, these are the things I, I, I need for you to understand. And so it's about where they're at and where they need to be. So the father is definitely high on the list of support, um, making sure that if they have questions, they feel free to ask the questions or concerns or even thoughts of what they would mm-hmm. like to see happen. Um, so the father is up there with the mother not carrying the child, but in the position of I need to be aware of what's happening. I need to understand what I need to be doing, and um, then I need to tell on her if she's not doing what she needs to do. So that's some (laughs) of the positions. The father and the women look at them, and I say, thank you, because (laughs) I need to know this so we can cover all bases, you know. And they right, they realize right, right. that they're grateful for them doing that. They might not, like I'll give an example real quick. So one of the fathers said, is Taco Bell a good place to eat? And I looked, and I, I was trying to figure out, I said no. And then she looked at him like, why are you telling on me? So, um, and I and that, that's his way of kind of saying, you know, she went off her eating and decided to go to Taco Bell. So if something is wrong. You know, it's from Taco Bell. So, um, yeah, so, and I love it. I love it because everybody's involved. You know, it isn't him just sitting there. It's him being a participant. One told me it's called dry snitching. So I said, okay, well, dry snitch, but I need to know. So, um, and and it it just keeps the family, you know, um, up with everything. He is there at the, uh, as many of the visits as possible, and, you know, there's a rapport we have because we're going to be working together. So I need the synergy between all of us to be as one almost, just about as one. So he has a very important yeah. role. And we want we want to emphasize that to the men in the beginning, important that role is for them to be there because, you know, sometimes they like to disappear or think it's just all on the woman, but no. Like you said, a family, unity, and everyone's there. Now, I sent you guys that uh, video 
and I did post it on my Facebook page on St. Louis, 1969, where it's black, one of the black hospitals. These women were giving birth to babies, and they were told their baby had died. And they actually didn't even see their baby. They just took the baby from them and said your baby was deformed or your baby died, and, um, and that wasn't the truth. And none of these women got a death certificate or anything like that. And they were selling these babies out of the hospital. And they have some uh, this attorney that's uncovering this mess. And some people, well, I don't believe it. But these people, they adopted these babies out, sold them babies to other families and people like that and had an adoption. But the weird part about it, one of the family members, um, her name, the mom's name was on the original birth certificate. And the child was adopted out, and the kids wanted to find their mom's birth mom, and that's how everything had became uncovered. And when I was watching that and looking at that with tears in my eyes, couldn't and I'm thinking, okay, this is 1969. This is like slavery when a woman had a baby and they just took the baby and she didn't even get a chance to see it. Watching this, and I'm thinking about you guys, doulas and midwives. Have you had those type of people in your room? by your side and a lot of times like those women were in the room listening to the uh the nurse by themselves. They were alone. They didn't have that support system or someone to say, Wait a minute, that ain't right. What's going on? Let us see. Let us do this. And I I appreciate what you guys do because you are that voice because a lot of times you're alone, you're afraid, you're frightened. And you don't know how to ask those questions or know those questions to ask when you're in that situation. Because, like I said, many of the deaths they were talking about here in Atlanta of, of African-American women dying could have been prevented. Diabetes, uh, one of the factors. How do you deal with uh, women with their health problem with diabetes? You know, um, because that has a profound effect on their sugar level, their eating, um, giving birth. So many health issues that have a problem with us. But first, address the little. I know. Did you, get, Belinda? Did you get a chance to see that video? Or no. Um, Miss Marsha, I'm sorry, I didn't um, get a chance to see the video. Um, I'm gonna go back and watch it, but I did not um, yes. receive the link to the video. Okay, I'm so sorry. I did. Okay, you know, sometimes uh, blaming on the operator because <laughs> bad product. <laughs> transfer stuff, but I really want you guys to see it. I do have it on Facebook, and okay. if listening audience, I want them to see it. I don't want us to be ignorant about nothing, and that's why I like you guys, because you educate people about every part of their body, giving mm-hmm. birth, having healthy babies, because autistic children is on the rise here in the United States, and our African-American boys are on, the, on one of the high spectrum of autism. Uh, we have so many kids with ADHD, bipolar, schizophrenic, all these health issues. And I truly believe diet has a profound effect. And we can get our kids back and our bodies back by eating the right food, but knowing mm-hmm. how that's done. And we learned that from mama and grandma. And But mama and grandma, they don't know either. So <laughs> this is why when you guys come on and we come together and share the wisdom, the knowledge, the experience you have to the next generation, to my audience, say, hey, check them out. 
this can help us. This is so beneficial for us knowing how to take care of ourselves. And I always said my little company tagline is putting the power of good health back into the hands of the people, and that's the knowledge and the information we take in for ourselves and willing to share with others. Definitely. Now, it's it's important for them to eat well, to take care of themselves. And now we have all this genetically modified food out here. They have 52 genetically modified different sugars that's in processed foods. Um, We have drive-bys, drive-throughs, drugs, alcohol, all that's playing a profound effect. And smoking. Smoking, you know, um, bringing babies in here with low birth rate and other health issues because of the smoking. So, we got to do, and I, I would love to see us get our kids back and get them back to this healthy state of mind and well-being and do it from birth. Definitely. And so it means that each one, teach one, for those of us that do know what's healthy. And it's, it's simple. You know, we want to cut and stretch our dollars, um, but eating um, green, fresh, green leafy vegetables getting fresh fruits. Um, now there are more community gardens around, which is even better because you know where it's coming from. Um, most of the time it hasn't traveled across the state, across the country to come here, which means they would have to spray it. So recognizing that we can eat well without having to put out a lot of money, especially if we're in a community where somebody is growing some things, even if we're not. And then taking the, the, the steps to grow something. Everybody has grown something or been in a household where we would grow something, pick something in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And some family member was grown, we would go to their place, get some of the fruits and veggies. There are fruit trees around. You know, we, we need to recognize that everything doesn't have to come out of a store um, because we don't know where it comes from. And when we have access to fresh things, now if the store says they've gotten it from the farmer who lives not too far away, then that's the outlet for the farmer. So we have to just think about eating healthy. I, I, I see uh, some parents out on the street giving their children things that are super sweet. And um, and to them, that's a way of calming the children. What they're doing is making the child less calm and more yes. active yes. in the brain because that sugar is shot up straight to the brain and lightening yes. the brain up because yes. it's a processed food. It's not even a food. It's a processed entity that is not about healing or health. And they create parasites. All that sugar creates parasites. So you can have diabetes and worms from the same entity. So it's really going and and investing in your well-being by eating as much fresh, healthy things as possible and dressing it up. You know, we'll go get collard greens, but we won't get any other greens or um, things are frozen (laughs) or canned. And that's horrible, you know. That's really horrible. We're not we're not even thinking about our bodies, you know, just stuffing things in our mouth for the sake of putting something in our mouth. So yes, it's right. education and coming out of our comfort zone and it can be comfortable once you realize you can make changes in your life. 
Exactly. I stand in agreement 100%. Now, another thing I want to talk about, how long do you encourage a mom to breastfeed? And what was the proper age for weaning? When people used to, in the Bible, they say wean a child, child, what age would, would weaning would be when you wean the child from the mother? Linda? Um, well, <laughs> Nana is giving such great information. I'm I'm really soaking it up also. Um, but we were uh, taught to um, tell moms to breastfeed the babies at least 18 months. Um, that's the guideline we were given. Um, I don't know, Nana, do you have a different guideline or... Yes, the guideline is up to the mommy <laughs> to nurse as long as possible. Um, mm-hmm. The baby's stomach does not start developing until they need that breast milk to complete some of the development that's happening in the wow. stomach area, abdomen. So I don't give them a date. I ask them, what do they feel now? If these are mommies that are going to work. We talk about how that can look, nursing and preparing for work. I've had mommies yeah. that do for three years or mommies that nurse up until they get pregnant again. Um, I've had a mommy nurse up until the child was five years. So it depends wow. on the circumstance. I Yes, I do mm-hmm. not, I don't give them a date. I ask them, what are their plans? Are you planning to go to work? If you're not planning to go to work, then you can do full-term nursing. If you're planning to go to work, what will happen is you will have to pump, and so there will be ways that you're going to not, the child won't get 24-hour feedings from you constantly. It might be a little less than that. So I kind of assess and ask the mother what are her plans, and then some of them say, well, I want to do for at least a couple of years. And I don't really get women who want to do short-term. All of them want to put in as much nursing as possible. And that's the difference with the home birth. They they want to have a proactive position in their child's life, and they want to give as long as possible. So it's usually um, I've had a mom whose child was, almost five, and she kept laughing every time I said, are you still nursing you? And she would tell me, yes, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. I said, well, I'm not stopping you, and if you say you're going to stop, then stop nursing. So it's more of what the women say, especially if they feel like um, they're not able to devote. After three and four years, um, they need more time for themselves. So I say, well, if you're going to still nurse, you know, make sure you're giving yourself the me time you need. But I definitely don't restrict, and there's no limitation. Again, it's it's empowering the women to allow them to make a decision about their their health, the way they want to raise their child. Now, not unless they're looking for guidance. Um, and then I say as long as you possibly can, you know. After women have the babies, then I'm breastfed, and I heard you say one lady was breastfeeding up until the time she got pregnant again. What about birth control pills? Do we discuss that with them, or that's something totally away from the midwife? Is that part of the no, if they I'd, have that discussion? I have the discussion, but we don't talk about pills. We talk about herbs. We talk about 
um, I do my arm up like I'm looking at a watch. I said, so are we ready for another baby? And definitely the women look at me and say, uh-uh, it's too soon. I just had the baby. But the, the, the father is kind of really feeling good about this birth. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. So what are your plans? So I share with them um, holistic um, practices using herbs, using uh, supplements. Um, There's a whole category of birth control, but not drugs. We don't address drugs. Really? That causes causes problems. So there are different herbs. Nature has provided everything we need. So there are herbs that you take and drink, like wild yam. Um, If you become sterile, you can use cotton root. Um, cold cotton root um, uh, drinks, herbal drinks. If you want to do something right at the time, there's vitamin C. So there are various different, it's up to what the women feel they're going to do, be able to do consistently. I say if you want the control, then you have to be consistent. So you tell me what works for you. Um, there's thing called cycle beads, and they monitor your ovulation and times that new intercourse is to be done. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So they have options. But we do address wow. the control of being pregnant again because you're very fertile but, and no drugs. The women do not want drugs. Wow. I just I just love you guys. I love what you're doing. I just I want to sing it off from the rooftop. And hopefully we'll have a platform where we can be able to pull a, a event, a for your health event, health event where we educate moms from breastfeeding, fixing healthy food for their babies, just nourishing themselves because we need to be able to teach the next generation how that's done and how it looks. All right, we got about nine, eight minutes left. Give us again your information, how they can reach you, because um, and then you too, Linda, so we can be able to have people who's listening to this all over okay. the world who can come back and listen and say, oh, you know what? Let me go back and listen to this blog talk, and so I can get the information. So we want the information out there. Okay, um, I'm Linda Walton. I'm a, a professional doula. I can be reached at area code 470-387-0045. My website is www.theartoflabor.com. My email is lynnwall underscore doula at theartoflabor.com. And I am Nana City OPO. And my number I can be reached is 404-557-2026. I am a traditional midwife as well as a naturopathic physician. My email information is lowercase o-p-i-o-s-n-d-a-e-y-o at gmail.com. All right. I thank you guys so much because this information is very powerful, and that's my mission with For Your Health and my business yesterday's kitchen for today is educating the next generation on how these meals prepare. There's people out here just like you guys 
that have great knowledge, that's doing fantastic stuff. So we won't mm-hmm. see you on the evening news, but we want to make sure that this news do get out and people share this with their families and friends. So I'm asking other people to post this on their Facebook page, Instagram, or whatever. And hopefully I'm, I want to plan an event this uh, sometime soon. We'll see how the money goes. But I want to plan an event that we can bring people and moms and dads together and teach the next generation the knowledge and information that you guys have because it is powerful. Mm -hmm. And I am truly, truly grateful for you guys taking time on your Sunday evening where you can have your feet up, (laughs) doing what you want to do, being with me on this show. I am truly, truly grateful because putting a power of good health into the hands of people is with information, knowledge, and things like that. So is anything you guys want to leave our listening audience with? Um, Well, as a doula, I would like to say um, if you're going to use a doula, make sure you do your research and interview at least maybe two to three doulas to see what doula is the best fit for for you. And once you find that doula, you know, sit down with your doula, have a consultation, and um, make sure you get everything you need and everything you want in terms of having the type of um, birth you'd like. All right. Okay, Ms. Uh, Nano, you got something you want to leave? Uh, yes. For those who see life where they are kind of looking at things from uh, an open perspective, want to do homes, homeschooling down the road, want to be more proactive in their child's life and their family life, and are preparing or thinking about a home birth, then midwifery um, is definitely a place to check, look out there, ask questions, get references. You decide this is what you want to do. When you go to the hospital, you don't get references. You just go. At this time, be more proactive in your life and with your, with your life, you know, in your life and with your life, and check out uh, midwives to see traditional midwives, if this is the route that's more uh, conducive. And we want you around, so definitely make sure you make that as Amen. an option. Amen. Thank I you. thank you, lady, for being on. I thank you guys for being on my show. I'm truly, truly grateful for you being here. I just want to remind our listening audience, we are on every Sunday at 8 o'clock Eastern time, so check us out next Sunday. And you can always go back and listen to this um, podcast. It's always listed on for, uh, under the D-Hour Network. Also, um, Linda, you can transfer this recording to your website if you want to put it out there for people to be able to hear what we're doing and what you're doing with us and getting the information out. All right, you guys, you have a blessed week. I just want to thank you guys for being a part of the For Your Health show. And let others know that we're listening. All right, thank you.